Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 92 of Smart Enough to Know Better, a podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. I am Greg Wah. And I'm Dan Beeston. And in this episode, we'll be talking to Dean Narrowmore from the Bureau of Meteorology. Talk about exciting things like weather and how it's going to kill you at every opportunity. Now, this was recorded about three months ago yeah. at the tail end of cyclone season. Keep that in mind when you're listening to things that we discuss that seem really current and are not. <laughs> so we talked about how there was no cyclones and suddenly cyclones. Yeah, that's right. Category five. Category five. Ripped the shit out of places. No one died. Thank goodness. It's very long, so let's get straight into it. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Dean Narrowmore. Narrowmore. Narrowmore? Narrowmore. Mr. Dean Macklemore. <laughs> Is that a recall? Yeah. <laughs> From the Bureau of Thrift Shops. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Dean Narrowmore. Good afternoon, good evening, good night. <laughs> uh, from the, still, still from the Department of Meteorology? Yeah, we'll just, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just say that. Weatherman, Mr. Yeah. It's a what about weatherman expert? And of course, Dean. Weather has, expert, weather guru. Ooh, weather, weather guru. Has, like has been on the show before who taught us all about tornadoes and blew our minds about tornadoes. And I spent about, if, if people haven't listened to this interview, go back and find it. It's worth listening. I spent probably three weeks just walking out to people going, do you know how tornadoes form? Let me tell you about the three <laughs> three levels you have to, and the different direction it has to go. And I leave us alone. Yeah, you see, I took a much cooler option of when storms are coming in. I'd learned if the, if it's cold air, like a long in advance of it, then it means that it's been going for a while and it's starting to fizzle out. But if it's cold air just at the head of it, I'll be like, oh, cold air just ahead. This is going to be a doozy. Uh, two of the, the experts. That's very good. They so met our lives. We, we got all the ladies. All the weather ladies. All the, all the weather, weather groupies. There's a few out there. Not many, though, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's a podcast for another time, I do believe. But today, what are we talking about today, Dan? What's interesting? Today, in we would like to know... All about weather and transport. Weather and transport. Now, do you transport or do you just work from home? Uh, yeah, no, we definitely transport, public transport, car, it's all good. But uh, it's a good question. Uh, yeah, the weather affects all modes of transport. and Well, weather affects everything, as we mm, all know. Mm. What we wear, what we eat, where we live, where we holiday, but it also affects transport as well. Hot air balloons, I imagine, would be right up there. Blimps, comedy blimps. Oh, the comedy would be, blimp. We have to park it when it gets too bad. We're not allowed to go out when the uh, the chance of static charge is above 2%. <laughs> too, I mean, much too much hydrogen. Too much hydrogen in the blimp. In all six, yeah, it, we live in the city of Brisbane, and I have this, I mean, it's only anecdotal, but, but I have this feeling that, Every time it even rains a little bit in Brisbane, everyone becomes as if they've lost 10 points off their IQ when they're driving. The whole of Brisbane just comes to gridlock and everyone stares at the rain from the sky like it's a miraculous thing. I don't know what it is. Have you noticed this? Is it just me? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Oh, it's, it's like every time we go out driving, it's like all of Brisbane's, oh, it's raining, let's go for a drive. There's <laughs> <laughs> crashes. Yes, and, and, and slow drives. And, oh, yeah. yeah. So something must be going on there. Yeah, possibly. I think it's just human nature. It's same as like a lot of food shops and bakeries. My parents um, used to own a bakery. Mm. And every time it would rain or anything like that, thousands of people come in and want pies <laughs> and cakes. And it's just crazy. We want a warm, sunny day and no one wants any food. So, a, yeah, mm. it's, a, it's amazing what weather does to people's minds. And I think mm. that's one thing with uh, cars and things like that. The the reason I wanted to ask about this is I was thinking, I've been reading about plane crashes mm-hmm. and how 80% of plane it's crashes back in the oh. 70s were a single weather event, which mm-hmm. once they got their head around it, they just went, 
Oh, we'll just stop doing that then. Is this a downburst? Is, it, is that what it's called? Yeah, so I think a lot of aviation accidents, and it's amazing actually that the effects that weather has on the aviation industry, mm-hmm. when everyone flies and things like that, there's, I think it was yesterday, last year, a billion people travelled wow. around the world, which is, <laughs> now that could obviously return to travels and things mm. like that, but a billion people were flying from country to country, city to city over the year. Yep. So that's a fascinating thing. And it's something like millions and millions of flights are done per week around mm. the world, from crop dusters to obviously, you know, 747 400. So, yeah, look, getting back to your question, absolutely. So we found out in the 70s and 80s what happened. So kind of like that rain bomb. People might have seen that rain bomb or the weather bomb thing mm-hmm. going around uh, about that collapsing storm. So what it is mm-hmm. very quickly is so we have a thunderstorm. You know, the air gets pulled up into the thunderstorm mm-hmm. and then so all the air is converging. So it's holding up a lot of rain and hail and ice in the storm. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes the, the updraft, what it's called, can kind of stop working or be cut off by cold air or the convergence isn't there or whatever mechanism that's driving it kind mm-hmm. of ceases. So all of a sudden you have tons and tons of rain and hail and ice that sit in the atmosphere. So gravity kicks in and it just races. <laughs> as it always as does. As it does. Gravity always wins. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously it races towards the ground. And, of course, ahead of that, as the rain and hail is, is falling, it squeezes or pushes the air out ahead of it. So right. it, can, and it cannot be raining where you are, but all of a sudden you get this really strong gust of wind or things mm. like that. So that's kind of where the rain or hail is kind of pushing the air underneath it, falling from tens of thousands of feet to the ground, and then all that air gets squeezed to the bottom and then pushed out in all directions. And what happens is if that storm happens near a plane, so obviously planes need certain lift and things like that. Mm. So as they're coming into land... They can get so you're going to get these rotors right near the edge of these downdrafts. Mm. So as they're coming into land, all of a sudden there's massive... so it kind of splashes. Like if you poured Correct. milk, yeah. it'd drop down the centre and then hit the ground and not only spread out sideways but sort of flick up. Correct, because it's and running into air that's further away that is too thick for it to just it's like push through. So yeah. Mm. That's right, yeah. So it's kind of, it's almost hitting like a denser mass kind of thing. Mm. So then, or a denser air mass, the warm, moist air surrounding that storm is kind of denser than the cooler, drier air that it's just hit up. So it kind of gets flicked around and then you get that splashback. Yes. So you get rotors on the edge of, right. edge of that out, uh, downdraft. So as a plane comes into that, just before they're about to land, they get this massive uplift. So, of course, the pilot will then change their conditions to allow for that uplift. But all of a sudden, once they get to the other side of the the rotor, there's an incredible down motion. So, of course, the pilot's putting a lot of force onto landing to oppose the updraft motion. Uh Then all of a sudden, it goes to a strong downdraft motion. So it's like the plane just falls out of the sky and it unfortunately slams into the ground. And, yeah, obviously, that's where a lot of plane crashes happened. And I think Denver and Houston and Dallas in America, it happened a lot Mm. because they get a lot of storms. And then once people got studies, as you are, we found this and went, oh, wow. Do not land when a storm is within <laughs> yeah. so-and-so of an airport. And that's kind of dropped a lot of crashes. But, yeah, a lot of crashes. And still today in other countries as well, we're still getting the odd crashes due to thunderstorms due to this motion. So, yeah, it's pretty dangerous. I suppose if you can't see the weather, I mean, you can't see the air and how the air is moving. It's, it's invisible. It's transparent. So you've got to have weather radar. And, and, and can you use weather radar to see these things? Or, or Yeah, you, you can to a degree. Sometimes when there is a bit of rain falling in this air, you can see the rain kind of hit the ground and then circulate mm. up. But yeah. if you have really good eyes, mm. you know, sometimes you can see that but of course you're a pilot you know many different things are happening at once and because you're in it mm. you can't see it hooking up you're just in it and you go oh yeah it's a storm but you're actually in that kind of rotor that oh, i mentioned goodness. yeah some radars can pick it up at least in a horizontal plane you can kind of see a change but yeah it's still hard to get that change in a vertical we don't yes. have quite the radars yet okay. a lot of major airports though are starting to have an advanced radar systems now that can detect the change of winds with height at each end of runways and things like that Ooh, so okay. they've got some really cool instruments being rolled out in the last few years i know at least the to major 
stop that kind of crash. Correct. And also, mm. as a plane's taking off or landing, sometimes, for instance, Brisbane Airport's a good example. Mm. The sea breeze, so as we all know, people who live on the coast, you get an afternoon sea breeze. Mm-hmm. For about an hour or two on some days, the sea breeze can actually stall halfway at the airport on the runway. Mm. So oh, okay. you can have, let's say, northeasterly at the northern end of the runway, and then the southern end of the runway, you may have like a southeasterly <laughs> oh, or, Jesus. A, or a northwesterly. Yeah. So there's a lot of turbulence right on the runway yes, itself. It's, we're not where you want it at all. No, no. And luckily, it's normally light turbulence, but you can yep. imagine if you get a strong sea breeze or a thunderstorm where you can have 50 to 100 kilometre winds on that boundary, that's going to make a big, big difference. But fascinating stuff. And that's just thunderstorms. There's many other things that obviously affect the aviation industry as well. So, well go on. That's yeah. what we're here for. I know. So, so that's just thunderstorms. Um, it teases us so. I know. The little tidbits to keep you, you going. I saw a lot of good sizzle. Because yeah. I saw this amazing video recently of all these massive jets coming in in really strong cross breezes. And they'll come in at like a 30-degree angle mm. and they'll pivot their wheels to line up with the runway but come in at an angle so that the wheels are going the right direction and they're flying in the right direction but they're thrusting to match the wind speed. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's, that's just that's super crazy. That's just those things make me queasy. I watch those videos and just don't feel well. <laughs> Not even on the plane. I'm like, oh, this is bad. News. Yeah, I, lo- I love watching those videos, but I agree. I'd hate to be on the plane. <laughs> you know, you're like you're looking outside and the, you're on <sighs> parallel to the runway, yeah. like, uh, and then it hits the ground and the whole plane lines up in a heartbeat yeah. with the runway. And you're like, oh, I wouldn't want to be at the tail end or the front end of that plane. I'd want to be in the middle where the, where the pivot point is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that's one thing as well, and also icing another big issue as well so what that is is as the planes go through clouds and things like mm. that obviously it's water and it could be super cooled water mm. so obviously the surface of the plane is below zero but the water can still be in water phase at minus six minus eight minus ten mm. and even in a really strong shower or wow. storm water can still be in water phase at minus 15 super the quick. outside of the plane will obviously be frozen mm. so as soon as that water hits a surface that's below zero psh- freezes instantly wow. so that can be dangerous as well so Ice if a plane's kind of it's circling over a city or a town mm. where it's raining you've got to be careful to get them out of that kind of layer mm. and that can be dangerous as well because if you get enough ice build up on planes they can obviously too heavy. Too heavy you yeah. don't get the lift and they just or, uh, go like, into a dive and crash yeah, or, or their control surfaces might freeze up as well and then, then you're in deep poop. Um, what's that show about air crash investigation or something? <laughs> oh, yeah. you know there's obviously so many stories like that crash porn <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's some people who love that stuff uh, yeah I've seen a couple of episodes there where you're right their readings or the things that kind of determine how high they are or the pressure and things like that gets mm. frozen over mm. so it's giving them false readings so they'll think they're five k's above the ground when in fact they're three k's above the ground <laughs> and they're coming into land and oh. all the instruments get stuff and the holy crap there's the ground oh. and yeah so it's pretty it, dangerous it i mean this is quite a few what's that goat doing up here in this cloud well, <laughs> yeah. I, this, yeah, this is to the, rip it off this from is the far side comic this is the story that from 1988 there's a while ago now when i was a kid in 1988 i lived in papua new guinea mm-hmm. and you had to fly from port moresby to lay so yep. from the south side of the country to the north side of the country and you'd go on these, they were called Fokker Friendships, and they were small planes, they'd sit mm, 20 to 30, and these things were primitive, like they were primitive old planes, and, and the only way to get across, and the mountains in Papua New Guinea are high, mm. and I didn't know at the time, they told, they told me later, that they didn't have ground radar, and they didn't have weather radar either, so these things, you're flying, and the mountains are higher than you, and you're going through passes to get, because they can't climb the mountains, it's not possible, it, its ceiling is lower than the mountains, yes. and it's just all cloud, and you're just like, oh yeah, we just dead wreck 
reckoning. We know that if we go twenty minutes of this many knots, we'll get, and then we turn to the right, and then we go, and you, and you, and you go, how often do you crash? Yeah, it happens. Why is why is there a goat in this in these clouds? And, it's, and this is a real thing. You're like, what is going on? But and, and then later on, they went, I, when I not when I not when I left, they went, yeah, Greg's gone. We'll buy some better equipment. But it was it happened a few years later. They went, oh, we finally have like ground yep. radar. Yep. Like we got it in finally because people went, let's just have that. So the, the plane can go. Let's you can just plow into a mountain at yeah. at, at six hundred kilometers an hour. <laughs> but that that was considered yeah. cool. That was fine. That was okay. It worries me. That wasn't even weather. Sorry, I was just horrified. I'm PTSD. <laughs> PTSD. Yeah, I would be too. Yeah. So obviously, icing is another big thing as well. And probably the big thing that affects that I've learned recently or in the last few years is when you go to really hot countries like Dubai. So Dubai is trying to become a transport mecca, at least mm-hmm. in the aviation industry, and probably going to be one of the world's biggest airports in mm-hmm. coming years and have the world's most number. Especially Emirates and Etihad, I think have some of the the most number of A380, you know, is it A380, 800s or 300s, you know, those yeah, double-decker. Yeah, the big, yeah. The big decker things. Not only are storms and ice obviously important for planes, but also the temperature can be very important for planes mm-hmm. as well. So obviously the hotter the air, the air gets, the lighter the air gets. Mm-hmm. So as you imagine from a lift perspective, she obviously needed at least a certain kind of density of air to kind of get the plane up. <laughs> well, as you start getting pro- uh, temperatures approaching around 50 degrees, 45, 50 degrees, as you do regularly in Dubai <laughs> oh, in summer, yeah. oh. it almost works. I think, I don't know exactly numbers here but something like once you get into the mid 40s the planes then got to lighten almost a ton per degree so the planes got to take a ton of load off like luggage and people oh or whatever goodness. just to be able because it'll be too heavy to on takeoff wow so yeah it's a, it's a fascinating thing actually so on the really hot days in summer there can be some obviously big delays and you'll find in dubai a lot of their planes will try and leave yeah. seven eight nine ten in the morning mm. because once you get to 11 or so it's 45 46 degrees before lunchtime and once they get to that kind of temperature you're going to have to take a ton off per degree so yeah. if you're sitting in a taxiway and it's 44 and you've let's say allowed i'm just throwing numbers here yep. you've allowed 300 ton right let's mm-hmm. say no mm-hmm. idea what planes carry and then it's delayed and you taxi out and all of a sudden it's 47 yep. so you've got to take two ton off yeah so you've got to kind of pull it back in quickly get whatever they can get off yeah. and then quickly go or else it's got too hot for them to live so <laughs> wow to i find that fascinating stuff you yeah. know and that's always like ships i find that really interesting ships have a, a mark on the side so all the container ships and they have mm, a load mark. Correct. And that load mark is different for different places in the world. So, because tropical water is less dense and therefore you can't put as much on it. But if, you, if you're sailing in the cold Atlantic, it's more dense. You can put more containers on mm-hmm. your ship. So, wow. it, it's kind of the same thing, I yes. guess. Yeah, uh, very true. It, it, so I had to work out what those weird marks were. Like, why is it? Because this ship will travel around the world and you can only laden it to this level. Otherwise, if you go around the equator, you will sink. Well done. And if you have lots of bubbles coming up through that water, it won't be dense enough for the ship and it'll sink in the bubbles, right? That's one of the weird things they talked about with Bermuda Triangle and that sort of stuff, though they don't think it's real. But yes, bubbles can come up. You can get gas bubbles come up, but I don't know if it's real. Uh, I don't yeah, know. it sounds a little bit... Uh, uh, it's, yeah, but stories of the spooky and yeah, supernatural Yeah, suddenly, suddenly a 30,000-ton ship disappeared under the water. and I, I, they, It's a lot of bubbles. Yeah, it's a lot of yeah. bubbles. That's the thing. I've heard of it, but I don't... I think yeah. it's a fun story. Look it up. Yes, we... Look it up, listeners. Or walk of shame for us, maybe. We'll, yeah. we'll find out for us later. Oh, that'd be good i'd love to get a walk of shame saying no this is real and i'm stuck here <laughs> i'm under the water I'm breathing i'm in a bubble yeah that's right great. Well, I, I, uh, the abyss that's what happened in the abyss it was awesome the weird tentacle monster yeah. came and it's a good anyway so what about lightning on a plane that's perfectly fine is that an issue yeah that's a good question a lot of planes have been well not a lot i say a lot but a, a handful at least every year are kind of struck by lightning but the lightning actually deflects around the mm. whole so that's one of the designs they've done many years ago mm-hmm. so they've designed the planes and i'll put a 
I like a coating or an alley or something. So I'm it's like it's sure. coated in a very thin Faraday cage. Oh, something like that, yeah. yeah. I don't quite remember if we get an aviation expert in here. But, yep, fair uh, enough. Yeah, but I do know that it has been designed so if the lightning does hit them as they fly around a storm, you get mm. these random bolts that kind of get outside of a storm. It just kind of gets deflected around them. And there's a lot of videos, some videos out there, a plane getting struck by lightning, and you can see it, and it just kind of runs along the spine of the plane mm. and then just kind of jumps out. And leaves out. Yeah, it doesn't really affect electronics it's not grounded, things like so. that. Exactly right. Yeah. So yeah. it's the same as us. If, if we were struck by lightning, but in somehow, in some case, hovering somehow above or the ground, or in free fall, or in free fall, we might be okay. It's but you, it's the whole. I don't know about that. It's the whole idea of <laughs> yeah, you you're still stuffed. Yeah, you're still stuffed. <laughs> by lightning, but, um, you need to coat yourself in slightly uh, safer. But yeah, 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 planes, yeah. planes are yeah. It's rare that they'll get struck by lightning and then just kills all the electronics and mm. they just they crash. So it's they've designed good. it now to kind of do that. But in saying that, also all planes try and avoid storms now as well. You don't want to be anywhere near yeah. storms because you've got, you've got the icing problem, you've yeah. got the hail and wind problem, you've got the turbulence problem. Yeah. Yeah. There's, like, there's a number of problems that are caused with thunderstorms. They try and stay right away from them yeah. um, all the time. So I, I flew to Vanuatu recently and had we travelled through a storm. That was, that was fun. Yeah. So, uh, but the turbulence, you always feel like, oh, nice fluffy cloud. Boom, 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 boom. Be like, oh, it went on a roller coaster. Yeah, Hooray. Yeah, yeah. yeah, when I was a kid, I used to love it. I was like, yeah, there's things <laughs> flying everywhere. My legs are up in the air. Like, you know, and then all that your dinner tray hits the ceiling and falls back down. There's stuff everywhere. But yeah, now I'm an older man, and you kind of know how it works, and you yes. see the wings, you know, yeah, flexing. flexing like 30 degrees. You're like, oh no, oh no. And you start thinking about all those air crash investigation episodes that you watched, and yeah. you're just like, oh no, I don't want to crash. I don't want to crash. So, yeah. But it's very safe to fly, as we always point out. There. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I, in, a I plane. Fly. in a plane, in a plane, in a plane. Yeah, not just a wingsuit or something. So. <laughs> yeah, those those wingsuit things. They're pretty amazing. Yeah, they're pretty. They're, they're so cool. You I love the ones that go down a mountain, which is the same oh, degree oh, as the wingsuit oh, can do, yeah. where they just sort of flitter across yeah. the ground like four metres off the ground. That's it's crazy. It's like high-fiving them, their, their dickhead mates. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's people that have touched things or they've like hit oh. poles or pop balloons. Or, or, or they go between oh. trees. Oh, oh that's so no, cool. that's not good. If, you, if you, they ice up, it's all over Red Rover, I guess. It's yeah. Well, if they're slightly off. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> like pizza. Yeah, that <laughs> stuff. So yeah, that's pretty. They're pretty amazing, but I couldn't do it. Yeah. Okay, so so it seems like uh, traveling by plane is ridiculously dangerous. Like in the weather, the weather could kill you at any moment. Out of the sky, murder. No, it's fine. It's not that bad. But so I'm sorry. <laughs> but okay, so let's move on to another one. Then what else? What else? What other transport? Well, shipping. Uh, shipping. 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 As you mentioned, shipping. Yeah, yeah we talked a little bit of that, but is, is shipping. I mean, weather and shipping. You kind of go suddenly a wave appears that kills George Clooney. Spoilers. Sorry for the ultimate storm. What it's called. The perfect. perfect Storm. storm. They yeah, all die. Yeah, it's a, in the poster. You're a weather guy. Is that something where you and your mates will come around and all get drunk and watch The Perfect Storm and go, bullshit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think one of their favourite movies for that is The Twister. But the new uh, one right. out at the moment, Into the Storm. Into the Storm. That was excellent. I, I wanted was to, so I, wrong. I was going to bring you up about that. I wanted to talk to you about that. All I right, that on right. plane. I really wanted to. Now, my take as a layman, I watched that and went, because they were like weather experts. And I was like, they seemed like a group of people who made terrible life decisions and then got murdered because of it. It was like, like oh, no, I'm going to stand here and film it and suddenly it's like tornado racing towards and they're filming it and then it hits a petrol station and goes into a fire tornado and he's still filming it and then it sucks him in it takes the camera out of his hand and then it sucks him in and people and I was like this can't happen no. at <laughs> any point I mean it's any of this real and they just terrible errors all the time to me I was just like none of this makes sense but anyway, how do you feel about it yeah no it's funny it's a funny question we're so excited about the movie any tornado movie is just like the best thing ever <laughs> since I love tornadoes so me one of my tornado chaser mates went to 
the movies. And we said, look, do not analyse it. The first time we watch it, you're just trying to enjoy it. And I almost made it to the end <laughs> nice, without right. getting too angry yep. or annoyed. But, uh, yeah, that, that fire scene, I was just kind of like, wow, that's a bit de- deep, you know, where you can actually see him on yes, fire yes, in the tornado. Yes. I was like, wow. But yeah, look, that's, that's probably not going to happen. You're not going to stand there and be fine. And all of a sudden, there's a wind gust to pull you in there. Yes. The winds will be... They can pull the stuff out of your hands. Oh, my camera's gone. Yeah, if your camera's going, you're going too. Yes. So the winds will always be that close, so strong you'll get pulled in anyway. Yeah. So I found it funny that he's standing there, everything's fine, and then gets pulled up. Yeah. And then you can see him. Anyway. But uh, I think the worst scene for me was uh, was when... Um, for, spoiler alert for people who haven't seen it. But uh, towards the end when they're in that, that EF5 tornado, so the oh, last yes. tornado. Yes, yeah, yeah, so yeah. the truck gets kind of sucked up. Yes. And then he goes to space. Yes. <laughs> what? And, and well, he almost went into space. Yes. He goes to the top of the atmosphere. That annoyed me so much because that does not happen. And How when, far when, up can something get sucked in a tornado? Oh, it can get a, a fair way up, but the problem was that it was still. Like, so yes. they're in the eye of the tornado. Mm. There is no such thing as the eye of the tornado. Right. So they had, like, the guy was in the middle and all the wind stopped and you could see everything spinning yes. around him. And that had does a, not happen. And he had a beautiful moment here, like a zen. Because he's all, oh, no, I'm flying up in the tornado in my truck. And then he gets up and he has, a, like, a zen moment. Of yes. Smile. He's like, oh. Because he's, the, it's kind of like, you know, in, in the Matrix when they come out of the storm front, Neo and Trinity, and they jump out of the storm and they see the sun and they dive back in. It was that scene. They stole it from the Matrix pretty much. No. And, and he's just, was he was, that in one of the sequels? Uh, reloaded, I think. I blanked out oh, the sequels. <laughs> I think it was reloaded. And then, Don't yeah, blame me. Same thing. So he's sort of smiling. He's like, oh, more smiley. And then he ducks back in and they cut away from him because obviously he's going to die a horrific, horrific yep. death as he crashes bodily to the ground. As he drives to the surface. <laughs> so, yeah, so in the scene he just gets thrown up and then you can see the sun and the clouds are all pretty and he's probably like 20,000 feet into the sky. Uh-huh. This is like a 10-ton truck. Yeah. You how know. is he breathing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. How is it not freezing and yeah. lack of oxygen? But he's just like, oh, this is nice. And then it just falls to the ground. I was like, ah. Can I, super spoilers, I watch to the end of the credits because I'm that kind of guy. He lives. That man lives. I stayed for a long time, but he I lives. Didn't. No. He, he comes down. He there's a scene where there's a little girl going, ah, and she like comes out of her home and she's after the storm and she's wandering around looking at all the destruction. And up in a tree, he's hanging <sighs> in the tree, going, "Hey, can you help me down?" He's hanging upside down. The truck's gone. He's in his seat and like he's hanging upside down. And he lives. You sure, you sure it wasn't the the two tornado chasing guys and not the tube guy? Remember those guys oh. that run around with the camera? Oh yes, I think oh, it was those two was that, guys. Oh, so, so wrong, wrong. Wrong idiots. Sorry, okay, right. <laughs> Wrong idiots survived. Okay, I'm sorry. There you go. As listeners, I apologize for that. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I have to go, I have to go get that movie now. Watch it. <laughs> that I sounds that like a so, Saturday night. <laughs> okay, wrong moron. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think it was those two oh, yes, yeah, the ones twisted chases. I hated guys. them because they they just put their lives in danger. They went and just killed themselves, basically. Yeah, they commit yeah, suicide. Just... They le- leap into a tornado. They're like, whoa, Dave, we're gonna leap into a tornado. And they get sucked away and they're laughing when they go. And you're like, uh, you just died. You're dead, yeah. You're you're just dead. We'll be on YouTube. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, God. But yeah. people do that. That's what the disturbing thing is. So. Wow. I saw one recently, an actual YouTube tornado one, after interviewing last time, like watching this stuff, and it was a guy standing in his standing in his um, uh, land, like in, in, in Kansas, basically, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Tornado Valley kind of stuff, or mm-hmm. Valley. And he's watching this dirty thing come towards him. And he's like, oh, yeah, and people go, get inside. And he's like, no, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And, and get inside. No, no, it's fine. And suddenly the sheet metal goes past him, like, like at speed, and like thwacks into the wall. And he's like, I'm going to come 
inside. <laughs> and he's like running, like watching the camera, and, he, and they close the door, and the house just starts getting beaten to hell, and they're all like diving into the storm cellar. Yeah. You're like, what is wrong with you? Like, it, that, you could have been decapitated at any moment. It's oh, like, there is some crazy oh. footage out there. Just quickly, just a side note, but I remember there was a large tornado outbreak in Illinois, south mm. of Chicago, um, November, Illinois. two years ago. Mm. There was about 40 tornadoes. There's some of the best, craziest <laughs> footage I've ever seen. So there's this guy in like a sunroom, and there's a tornado across the park. So he, but the house backs onto a park or whatever, and you can see more houses. <laughs> oh, yeah. so there's a tornado out there, and it's coming straight for him. And then mm. it kind of goes out of frame, and then obviously curls back towards him and you see the tree out in front of him disappear then the wall disappears and he's still standing there and his whole house oh. is disintegrating while he's filming and yeah. they're yelling get inside he's like no no it's fine and then the last minute you see all this stuff just go and then he must fall over oh. and I was like oh this is really bad <laughs> and then the other footage that we saw was there's this guy they're in a house and the wife's freaking out just like yeah there's a tornado coming so they run into a basement obviously and so it's about 30-40 seconds of darkness and then they come back out to the house so they're in their bedroom or whatever and they go out and the house is gone gone so the rest of the house is like just cut in half and then they walk a bit further out and their whole neighborhood is just gone like it's just absolutely incredible wow and he just was so calm you know the wife is obviously just hysterical and he's like oh my neighbor's gone oh my other neighbor's gone oh the street's gone and it's just all these houses just leveled man just some of the most intense footage i've seen man doing the show notes so this is going to be really painful (laughs) but really fun (laughs) but really long Looking for all these videos. <laughs> anyway, so, so shipping, we're transport, ship, transport, transport, yeah. shipping, shipping. I'm sure that was what we're talking I'm about. I'm sure we can bring tornadoes into transport. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so, more tornadoes. I want to see a transport driven by tornadoes. Oh, well, I've been telling everyone, of course, that we do get tornadoes in Australia. It's very important to say we get tornadoes absolutely, in Australia. Absolutely, absolutely. It's not they're not an American thing. Correct. Um, I think we have the third highest incidence of tornadoes in the, in the world. Yeah. Get the so. front door out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, <laughs> that's great. Good. But, uh, yeah, so the, but the numbers are obviously way less. So mm. it's quickly, yeah. I think America's around 1,200 or so a right. year. And then I think UK, because there's such a small landmass, mm. per mm. square mile or population, I think they get about 40 or 50 oh, or right. something. And then we get about, yeah, 30 or 40 a year as well. Right. So it's a huge drop in numbers. Yeah. It was probably more than that, but of course, there's a lot of this country that yeah. is unlived. Yes. So a tornado yeah, yeah. can hit out, you know, outside of Cuba PD. No one would ever know. <laughs> That's right. so. A lot of destruction didn't happen in Kapiti <laughs> when nothing was destroyed, when a very massive storm did nothing. Yeah. Moving on. Exactly right. So, yeah, no, you're right. We do get a lot of, a few tornadoes in Australia, but yeah, they yeah. are not American only. We definitely get tornadoes here in Australia. So, we get a lot of energy. If you put a lot of energy into the atmosphere, heat up the atmosphere somehow, no one's fault, we're just saying. And then. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it's great. It's great. Thank you. I thought it was pretty good. I think the sun's getting closer, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I, I can either confirm volcanoes. Or, so that's I, what I heard. I can either confirm or deny. Yeah, they are. It's <laughs> tiny percent. Anyway, but the, you start putting more energy into atmospheres or more energy into oceans, and you start getting more extreme weather events. That's. I mean, that's just physics. Mm-hmm. And so you start getting things like storm swells and uh, higher tides and all that sort of interesting things is like that. So that's going to affect people in the future as well, isn't it? I mean, small storms and not just shipping. Suddenly, storms are going to come to your house. Yeah, well, potentially. Storms, storms are already coming to your house now, you know. Well, well like, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> storms are going to bring the ocean with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Storms are going to pour a lot more rain. But yeah, you're right. You, you put more energy into to any systems. And look, mm. weather's just like a machine as well. Mm. You know, thunderstorms, cyclones, they're all just machines. So yep. if you're enhancing their inputs or so, you drive a car, unleaded fuel, premium unleaded, you know, it might mm. run faster and better. <laughs> Same with storms and things like that. You're putting in more energy or yeah. hotter, moister air. They're going to become stronger and more powerful and things like that. And this mm. works for winter weather as well. It's mm. not just. 
hot and storms as well. Blizzards will be more intense. The cold will be more intense because it's hotter as well to kind of... You know, the Earth is always trying to balance itself out. Mm. Tropics mm. always hot. The poles always cold. So it's going to oversteer. And the mid-lats, that's right. The yeah. mid-lats are kind of the balancing thing. And all it is is the flights are going to become more intense. Mm. So the cold will probably get colder. So the hot will definitely get hotter. And then so you're going to have more extreme or more intense weather events. So. Can I ask a question about, about specifically about... I'm, I'm sorry to international listeners, but Australia is well known, especially the East Coast of Australia, is well known for its cyclones. We get a lot of cyclones. But we don't seem to have a lot of them coming through. It seems to be a lower number. Is, 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 that, is that right? Is yeah, that... it's been a very low season. Is there um, any reason for that or does it just happen sometimes? Yeah, it just... does just happen sometimes. Look, I think winter weather is probably the hardest thing to forecast mm. itself. And unfortunately, luckily for us here in Australia, we don't have really too much. So winter, winter weather, I'm talking no, about. No, hardly any winter in Australia. <laughs> yeah, so I'm talking about, yeah, your blizzards and your snowfall and mm. things like that. And they're probably the hardest things to forecast. The second hardest thing to forecast, especially in our part of the world, is cyclones, as you mm. mentioned, because we have a lot of things kind of fighting against it. So, yeah, we get cyclones in WA, Northern Territory, and obviously on the East Coast. But you're right, it has been a very quiet season. Mm. But even the wet season for us in Queensland has actually been quite quiet as well. Mm, and normally yeah. the wet season, it rains a fair bit, a lot of storms. But really, we've had a lot of nice sunny days. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the odd storm here and there. But it's been pretty quiet this overall. Is an ad for Tourism Australia. So, nice yeah. sunny days. Come on down, everyone. Spend your Always money. sunny here in, in our country. Yeah. It's lovely. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you're right. We have definitely had less cyclone activity yep. um, over the last thing. The cyclone season runs from the start of November through to the end of April. Mm. Um, peak season is February and March. So we should okay, see things pick yeah. up. But I think in the entire Australian basin, so that includes way out west of WA, mm. all across the northern parts of Australia and almost out to Fiji and all mm. our Queensland waters and up to Papua New Guinea, I think there's only been about three cyclones in the Which whole... really small. Yeah, normally we normally average in the whole basin maybe 16 or 18 yeah. for the year and maybe a couple will cross the coast. But, yeah, this year yeah. we've had no coastal crossings yeah. and only three way, way out to sea. Since this was recorded, we of course had a massive cyclone hit the east coast of Australia and then another one hit the west coast. So, and can, is there any theories on why that is? is? Is it just a, is there a cycle? Or do you have like every 10 years it drops down and builds back up? No, again? it all, it all just depends, you know, the, the weather setups. And so, for instance, the high pressure ridge is probably the important thing. So, mm. the monsoon trough. Mm. Um, so, there's a lot of vorticity with the southeasterly trades and the northeasterly trades converging on the monsoon trough. Right. So, you can get pockets of high vorticity. It'll spin up cyclones in that part of the world okay. due to the converging winds. But yeah, the monsoon trough this year has actually been north of Papua New Guinea. It's been sitting up around the equator much of the year. Right. And you can relate that back to the Siberian high. It's all, it's all related. It's fascinating mm, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So the Siberian high, when it gets really strong, it can push a big surge of northerly winds all the way through Asia. Right. So what that'll do will then push the surge of winds in the monsoon all the way into northern Australia. So if you get, a re- wow. if you get really cold air over the Siberia, you'll get a really strong high-pressure system, which will then kind of cover much of Asia and push all the tropical weather across the equator and into <laughs> northern Australia. But if the high is really oh. weak, our highs kind of seem to be stronger. And if you, yeah. you know, our high-pressure systems are sitting over the Tasman Sea and over southern Australia, mm. they're actually really big. And for mm. people in Brisbane, if you're listening, in the last week or so, I've had really windy weather, but it's been nice, nowhere near as humid as it has been. Mm-hmm. So the high is what we normally get in April, happening, happening in February. Mm. So what's that happened is kind of push the monsoon trough north of Australia. Yeah, no, and, okay. yeah, so all the weather's now contracted to north of Australia. Oh, so okay. there's some heavy rain in Cairns right now, but the rest of the tropics in Australia is dry, which is very unusual. We've got a Darwin now. It's hardly raining when it should be pouring rain. Yeah, yeah. constantly raining. Okay. Yeah, so it's all, it's all related. It's, yeah, it's fascinating so stuff. F- so a fight between our, our cold southern weather and their cold northern Correct. weather, and it all gets pushed in the centre. Correct, yeah. So, now, if so, it's, it's all related. So if something happens in, like, the North Atlantic, is there anything that could happen there where you can go, 
oh, that probably means that something's going to happen in Australia, or is that just too far away for you to be able to predict? Yeah, correct. That's too far away, but that could be affecting the weather in America and even West Coast America. So for us, we'll have a big system might wind up east of New Zealand, Mm -hmm. and that'll kind of block everything. So it's like a traffic jam, Mm. and and that kind of black box up behind us. So, yeah, we can be stuck in either rain for a week or hot for a week, and you get these blocking patterns, so where the whole atmosphere around the hemisphere actually kind of slows down until this blocking high or low breaks down finally, and then we can go back to getting weather events again or, you know, mobile weather pattern. Mm, So it's the same in the Atlantic. Let's say there's a big hurricane or a big high-pressure system in the Atlantic. That'll block things up and might even affect as far away as Japan. Mm. So they might be having unusual weather because there's a block on the other side of the planet. Wow. So the weather normally can affect the hemisphere. Mm. But, yeah, from from a tropical standpoint, the effects are across the equator. So as I said, Siberian high and things So vertical rather than... Yeah, 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 but most of weather in the mid-lats is kind of... Vertical. Yeah, it stays in there. Longitudinal, you mean. Yeah, that's the one. Vertical on the planet. We live on a ball. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so if you're in the same hemisphere, that can be affected a lot. Yeah. So the, the monsoon trough literally follows the sun as well. Wherever the sun is during the year, the strongest oh, right. heating, the strongest yeah. moisture and uplift, and, and yeah. that's where the storms. And it's called the intertropical convergence zone. If you if you do a year's animation of the world, mm. you'll see a band of cloud that wraps around the world and actually shifts north with the sun and south yeah. with the sun during the wow. year. Okay. And that's really cool. And then yeah, when the high pressure systems are stronger. Or, or weaker on the planet to kind of squeeze it together, you'll see it push further south or further north mm. depending on what other systems are doing. So it's a fascinating thing. So the whole monsoon yeah. is actually can affect anywhere from southern Australia all the way up into Siberia and India, and mm. it's just one big circulation of all of Asia and Australia. It's fascinating yeah. stuff. So if I was driving a ship, piloting would a ship. I piloting a ship? Yeah. I would have a very different plan of attack in the winter than I did in the summer, would I? Absolutely. Like, just setting out? Absolutely. Like, what sort of things would I be needing to predict for? Well, in the Northern Hemisphere, yeah. in summer, they go through the North Pole. They can go from Asia to America really quickly. They kind of go through the oh, ice wow. channel. Well, they can but, now. Yeah, most of the year they can, but yeah, obviously. But that, so that's only recent. That's the, that's the Northwest Passage? Is that I think it's called? something like that, yeah. That's up the, yeah, that's the, the one between Siberia and Alaska. Yeah. Yeah, and there's also a passage I think there somewhere like Europe over the top yeah, like yeah. West Coast America or something well, like that. Oh, okay. The Greenland and Iceland up that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. that way. But so, sorry to our, our Northern Hemisphere listeners, we're, we're being ignorant in our geography yeah, at this point. <laughs> sorry about that. Apologise for that, yeah. But yeah, so obviously if you're in winter, it'll be all just closed off with, you know, metres of thick ice mm. and things like that, so we'll have to go the long way mm. in summer. But the most dangerous will be the transition seasons. So you might be heading on that path and it might look all right, then you get a big winter storm come in, might push a lot of those ice things together and you can get trapped in there for mm. quite a while and then it's cold and it's windy and there's big storms. But yeah, the big ships that have to go on a long track, they'll go through multiple multiple phases of weather in their couple-of-week trip. I was actually on a, on a cruise ship years ago and actually went through a tropical storm um, down in the Caribbean. That was amazing. I think everyone was sick on the bottom few floors, but it was me and about 10 <laughs> drunk guys on the top floor just watching the boat pivot about 40, 60 oh. degrees. <laughs> that, you know, 50-knot winds or it was about 100-kilometer-hour winds Goodness. and three- to four-story waves just smashing into the boat. Wow. So that was an amazing experience. And talking to the, the captain the next couple of days at one of the dinner things they hold, and he was like, yeah, that was literally like as good as like if it was any worse we could have been in trouble like that was the peak of the ship's <laughs> oh, right. any stronger but what was amazing was the next day the waters were just still huh? mm-hmm. you know weather's amazing like that it's just as soon as you get some really strong winds or things like that and low pressure the waves get really really high and crazy and yep. the next day as soon as it calms down so does the water yep. it's, it's amazing how the fluids just quickly change so quickly but yeah you have to do a lot of planning and 
We do a lot of forecasting. I know the um, marine forecasting that's done out there as well. So almost all of the ocean around the world is now covered with some forecasting. So they'll do like mm. daily forecasts about here's the fronts and troughs and storms and, and ship tracks, almost like our aviation. So there's a lot of people watching the aviation going, oh, there's storms here, take this route, so go around this storm and around that storm. Do you break them up by name? It's I know that around Great Britain... All the different patches of ocean have an odd little quirky name that they get referred yep. to. But is that the case for all over the ocean? Or Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Both ocean and air is done like that. So it would be Section 84 or Section... Right. Uh, you know, I don't know the names, but they are all broken down into right. certain areas. And then people are responsible for those areas. So they'll just do forecasts <laughs> for that area. So as you yep. can imagine, if you're there for quite a number of years, you become a really, really smart person on that area because you're just looking at it all the time. Yeah. So you get a feel for the patterns and, and things like that. So, mm. yeah, it's fascinating stuff. There's a lot of work done behind the scenes for ships and aviations and things like that. It's a big industry. They talk about with the changing climate we're going through, transitional stuff, like currents, ocean currents shutting down. They're talking about like ones near Scotland are shutting down or could shut down. This could be very bad because it brings sort of warm waters to other places. Correct. Does that happen with the atmosphere as well? Like, will changing atmosphere shut down currents in the air as much yep. as it can shut it in the water? Yeah, absolutely. And we could be seeing signs of that right now in uh, California. So for, for people who are familiar with California, they're having record drought at the moment mm. and ongoing drought as mm. well. And a lot of their rain actually comes in the winter months, what they call the Pineapple Express or the Atmospheric River. Mm. So what it is, is a, a, I won't get too complicated, but as the storm systems come in, they pull all the moisture off from Hawaii. Mm. So all the warm tropical air gets pulled in from Hawaii, condenses and rains out over California. Right. Now recently we found out that kind of channel or moisture plume has been cut off so the Whoops, storms are uh, still hitting California, but there's not that moisture injection into the storm. So right. instead of getting your 50 or 100 millimetres of rain or a couple of inches of rain, mm. you're only getting you know, enough to wet the ground and mm, you know, things right. like that, and that's wow. it. And then you go back into your dry season, so your rain and snow that should be getting mm. is kind of happening. So absolutely, that can happen Things can well. change quite dramatically, yeah, so, and permanently too. Yeah, correct. Mm. And if, if you're cutting off weather systems, sources of moisture or cold air or whatever, mm. that'll completely change, obviously, how they work as well. So. Yeah. Indeed. Talking more about geological change, because you probably think with the Hawaiian Islands, they are volcanoes that build up or mountain ranges build up mm-hmm. due to tectonic plates pushing against each other. Like the Himalayas are growing still to this day. It's still growing yeah, right. up. So if you get a, a mountain range in the end, that's going to change everything as well. That's, that'll change the, the air patterns and the... I mean, it would cause droughts and like rain shadows and that sort of stuff. Is that it, it can, but it would have to be a massive mountain range. Oh, okay, right. So yeah. something that's a hundred kilometres long and mm. maybe two k's wide won't do much. Mm. But if it's the Rockies or the Himalayas uh, or the okay. Great Dividing Range yes. or things like that of the Andes, they've got to be that big to make a huge influence on okay. the weather. So the weather's a huge thing, mm. and obviously it takes a huge thing to kind of affect it. Yeah. So yeah, if you had a couple of little mountains, it might change the weather very locally there. Mm. But on a broader scale, it won't make much difference. Okay. So the Hawaiian Islands, yeah, it just won't make that much of a difference. Even as they grow as But if you had mountains from Cape York or you know, New Zealand, from mm. Tonga all the way to New Zealand, had big mountains there all of a sudden, mm. then that would definitely change the, the flow of right. okay. things like that. So it would take a massive change. Yeah, it would have massive. to be yeah. huge, yeah, okay. which we won't see everyone on our human life no. scale. It's millions of years. Mm. Of, yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah, so. I, think, I think we've covered boats now. <laughs> Briefly, so, yeah. Briefly. <laughs> Wait, is there more? Is there nah, stuff not, that I'm not... Not really. No. Boats are boring. Boats boring. Okay, Boats moving on. Moving on then. What's it's, next? Still, it's fascinating stuff, I will admit. <laughs> and you know, cruising now has become really popular. Obviously, the oil tankers and things mm. like that. There's cross-ocean cruise ships now. You can go on a cruise from LA and come to Sydney in two weeks and they do cross-Atlantic, cross-Indian, cross-Pacific. And mm. on your days from any country or any land, mm. you've really got to know the weather and things yeah. like that. But a lot of the time, those boats will kind of hug the equator almost because mm. apart from a thunderstorm, 
thunderstorm, you can't get cyclones or hurricanes on an equator because mm. you just can't get that vorticity spin up. So you'll get day showers and storms, but they won't make much of an effect. They'll just have locally waves. But when you're a 20 story boat that's you know, hundreds of metres long, yeah. two metre waves are going to do nothing to you. Yeah. What if there was a cyclone? Like, how would you lure a cyclone towards you, firstly? <laughs> Like how could if you could control massive Man wants chunks? Wants to be a supervillain. If, you are, if yeah, you're yeah, a supervillain, you want to yeah, control yeah, yeah. a cyclone. How would Don't you lure it they're... towards you or push it away from you? Is it like could you heat up a massive amount pray, of air and pray? Like what is it like? Yeah. The thing that drives cyclones <laughs> is path of least resistance. So kind of okay. like lightning and everything like that, and mm. everything likes the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. So it'll kind of steer away from any strong winds. You know, it's funny storms and things like that need strong winds in the atmosphere to kind of form and become organised. Yeah. Mm. But cyclones need no winds in the atmosphere, right. which is really <laughs> funny. Like they're very, yeah, you know, the winds are really really strong in a cyclone, but to organise them, you don't, you don't want any winds in the atmosphere because then it could rip it apart. So cyclones are yeah. kind of vertically stacked. You know, the eye of the cyclone is at the same level all the way across where mm. a lot of other systems are kind of tilted yes. with height. So you want to pull a cyclone or direct a cyclone somewhere, you want to kind of find the path of least resistance for them. So they kind of ride high-pressure systems. So the high-pressure systems are a big mass of sinking air mm. with light winds kind of around it, and they can be through the whole depth of the atmosphere. If you go into cyclone tracks and things like that, you'll actually see them curl around, and the Atlantic is great for that, where the hurricane will kind of form. So there's a big high-pressure system over the Atlantic Ocean yep. in the summertime. I'm using the Northern Hemisphere because it's a little bit easier. So the storms will form off Africa, and then they'll ride the southern part of the ridge and then curl up into America. Now, the ridges kind of breathe, so they kind of mm. expand, contract, expand, contract. So if the high pressure system's in a phase of expanding, it might direct the cyclone right into the Gulf country or, no, the, sorry, so, the so Gulf waters and hit America. But if it contracts, it'll kind of curl off, you know, over the ocean and never hit America. And that's kind of how it works here as well. Is that because it's a like high pressure system and it comes up, the cyclone comes off, a hurricane comes up against it and it's like, oh, that's, that's much too difficult to deal with. I'll just go round the outside Correct. of it. Ah, so it's like a, no, a no-go zone. So, okay, so let's, let's think for a moment because... To make a high-pressure system, you have sinking cool air. Is that, is that, is that right? Yeah, it's sinking air, but obviously warms it sinks because you're compressing it. Oh, okay, yes, okay, so. right, you're a good point. So if you were if you were a supervillain that could, like like the girl Elsa from Frozen, yeah. if you, yeah. she could freeze the air around her and make it colder and therefore it would sink, could make a high-pressure system, she could then deflect cyclones away from her. Yeah, correct. So if oh, she, yes. she froze and sunk the air to the south of the cyclone, mm-hmm. it would then direct that to the east and then yes. the south. So. so she could make a high-pressure zone here and a high-pressure zone to the left. I'm, so I'm, I'm pointing with my hands. That was no use. Yeah, so, you're, you're taking that. <laughs> sorry, sorry, about, sorry yeah. about that, listeners. Uh, so high-pressure zone to your left and high-pressure zone to your right with nothing in the centre. The cyclone would come straight down the centre. Correct. Aha! Okay, so we know how to lure a cyclone. What if you lured it as fast as you could towards the equator? What, what like, <laughs> is it just going to fizzle or is yeah. it going to... A nice simple question. Let's make this more, I just realised where you're going with this. I, a simpler question. If a cyclone's on a northerly track and it's going to go to the equator, what happens to the cyclone? Yeah, so they normally just... Um, it's, yeah. Much simpler than, I'm a supervillain. <laughs> Not as interesting. <laughs> it sound as I, think, yeah. I think I brought a fun narrative. Oh, no, no, it's awesome. <laughs> I just realised what you were doing. When, and also a... important information for a project I'm working on. <laughs> Yeah, so you you're want to need, get... You're going to need better hair and a nicer dress. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Just I... let it go, Dan. Just oh, let it go. That was no, a good play. Gonna, Thank you. Still gonna... never seen that movie. Everyone it's, talks about it. But you know about it. it. You, you know wait, 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 wait. wait. Knows it's, about it. it's a film as much about changing the weather yeah. as Twister 
or into the storm is, <laughs> and you're like, ah, oh, no, nah, kids' film. Yeah, yeah, maybe. No, I'll, no, I'll make sure I watch it next week or two. Uh, I'll let you know. I'll tell you. I'll tell you how it goes. Thanks. Right. Uh, but yeah, so as if, if a cyclone started heading towards the equator, just kind of not tell them about the tornadoes. Frozen. That'll start another conversation. Anyway, yeah, so as the cyclone heads to the equator, mm. we I'm still stuck on Frozen now. <laughs> Let stop, it go. I can't stop thinking about stop it. Stop it. Stop it. The joke only works once, Greg. Oh, damn it. No, nah, I kept working. All right. Um, <laughs> excellent. I'm going to high-five him now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was good. Don't high-five when I'm not involved. <laughs> You're very jealous. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Right, getting back mm. on topic. Yeah, we should do a podcast of just distractions. It'll be great. So, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to distractions. Ooh, a dog with a floppy tail. Yeah. So if we had a cyclone head towards the equator, kind of not only would it lose its vorticity because there's no mm. real spin, you can't really spin things up on the equator, mm. you kind of have all like diverging winds on the equator. So remember that's kind of the peak heating. So the air rises and kind of is kind of being, you know, half it's going to the northern hemisphere, oh, half going to the right. southern hemisphere. So it just pushes so it away? Or? That's right. It kind of almost shear it apart or oh, pull it apart. Okay. So again, remember cyclones don't want any wind. Now right. it sounds weird right. because okay. there's no wind at the equator, uh, but right near the equator, obviously you've got opposing wind directions because you've got two <laughs> circulations right near the equator, yeah. so one's Goodness. going one way, one's going the other way. So if the cyclone headed towards the equator, it would just get pulled apart. Yeah, so, yeah. Hang on, oh, that makes sense. I actually understand that. <laughs> now you know. Now back to boats. Back to the boring old boats. But if you yeah, know, I love the way he's like, we should do a podcast all about distractions. We haven't talked about boats at all. <laughs> 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 no, back to boats. Then. Back to the old days, like Captain Cook and all that good stuff, like large sailing ships. Crossing the equator must be a bastard. Yeah, well... Because years ago, we're becalmed, and that's the end of it. Well, you obviously hear, many, I'm sure many people heard about the doldrums, mm. uh, and that it was in within five degrees north or five degrees south of the equator, because there's no wind. Oh, you know, so, so the shippings would be yeah, in the southern be. parts, you know, in the higher latitudes, obviously you've got the westerly racing, mm. so they can travel a long way, but if they're kind of crossing the equator, they'll get within five or six degrees latitude of the equator, mm. and all of a sudden the winds drop out, and there could be no winds for weeks. Right. Wow. You know, um, they all depend on a storm or something happening to give them a bit of a push. The doldrum, if you're on the equator, if you go to places like Singapore and places like that, mm. you'll find that while well, it is hot and humid, there's never any wind, except mm. for when there's storms or rain, because mm. obviously that's moving the air around. But if you take that away, it's a fine sunny day, there's never a wind. Where here you're getting sea breezes, Melbourne it's always windy, you know, yeah. the mid lats it's always windy, but in the equator there's hardly any wind, because the air's all rising and there's no... Yeah, there's no competition or pull of air masses or anything like that. There's no pressure gradients. There's no anything to kind of cause winds. Yeah. As the air goes up, you get showers and storms, comes back down, goes up, down, up, down. So yeah. it, doesn't, yeah. it wouldn't just get worse and worse the further away you get from the equator. There has to be a point where it stopped. Like, like you have the roaring 40s down, mm-hmm. down near Tasmania, which are really powerful mm-hmm. winds. They're trade winds, aren't they? Uh, yeah, they're, they're like westerlies uh, in the westerlies westerlies, belt. okay. Yeah, yeah. But then as you go further south than that, you get into the South Pole. Is that, are they going to get calmer again, the, wind, the no. winds? Oh. So it's really interesting, actually. So you have the equator, right? You have the mm. belt of the equator. And then after that, you have the, the easterly trades mm-hmm. or the um, equator easterlies. And then it's kind of another area of high pressure. And then you have the westerlies. Right. And then you have another belt of weak high pressure. And then right near the globe, you actually have the polar easterlies. Right. So as you get towards oh. Antarctica, there's actually gale force easterlies <laughs> you know, near the equator. And then right. you've got the poles. And it's the same yeah. up north as well. As you go to the northern hemisphere, it's exactly the so same. So it doesn't calm down at all. It's, so, it just, no. it's just, and it's always east, west, east, west. Correct. So you have like you have a belt of high pressure over the equator, right? Yep. So the air's you know well, that sounds a bit strange. You'll have a, sorry low pressures right around the mm. equator because mm. the air's rising because that's where the sun's always the hottest. And then either side of that you have a belt of high pressure, 
Um, and then obviously either side of that, you'll have Eastleys on the northern side of the high and Westleys yes. on the southern side of the high, thinking that they, you know, they rotate uh, anti-clockwise. Yep. And then you'll have right. another, another region of kind of low pressure, which is the Westleys again. So you're roaring Westleys. And then on the southern part of those lows, you've got Eastleys. And on the northern part of those lows, you've got Westleys. So, yeah, and you just get belts, get belts of, of, them. of wind all the way. And the, I'm, 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 I'm probably just, I mean, people who actually into sailing, I'm, you're probably yelling at me right now, listener, and that's fair enough. But I'm guessing then, like, people like Captain Cook and all, like Van Diemen and all those people who came to Australia and, or just went, went around the world would know this. And they would go, we want to go west. We're going to go down to this latitude and zoom along. And then we want to go back east and we'll go up or down uh, longitude and then we'll zoom. Oh, I think east. you mean north or south. It's a ball, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> Vertical. Up or down. Those are, damn it, oh, fair play, fair play, fair play, fair play. He's here to correct you. Yeah, that's right, (laughs) we keep each other honest. So, yeah, in that case, if you know which way they're going, then you can zoom around the world quite quickly in a sailboat. Yeah, that's how it probably would have worked. But of course, getting the roaring westerlies can be—you'll get there very fast, but it's treacherous. You know, huge mm. waves, gale force winds, yep. and then the easterlies, the tropical easterlies, are lighter. So you get there slower, but at mm. least it's more constant. And you won't get murdered. You won't get murdered, but it's <laughs> hot. Yes, and you yeah. know, you just be hot all the time. So it's you know win lose or you know it's a lose can, lose or whatever. Can you imagine going around the South America? But before they built the Panama Canal and that sort of good stuff to go through, they went all the way down to the south yep. and all through this horrible weather yep. down near the well, part, not not to. Antarctica, but that would be the Cape of Good Hope. Good Hope, yeah. Good hope, yeah. yeah. And I think even worse is a tiny bit of gap between South America and Antarctica. The Straits of Gibraltar? Is, no, yeah, no, no. Up in the, Cape Horn? Cape Horn. Cape, Cape Horn? Oh. Cape Horn's at the bottom of Africa, yeah. Yeah, Cape Horn's Africa, and Cape oh, of Good Hope is the... Might be South America. South America yes. yes. Yeah. yeah, right, because obviously, as you imagine, because it's such a small the, passage, yeah, all the winds and obviously waters are squeezed through yes. that area, so you're, you're accelerating the air, you're accelerating the water. So <laughs> does it's the water the go up? Does it, because does it, it's getting forced together, does it bulge? I suppose it would. Uh, it it's would, a good question. Yeah, I think yeah. it would. But I know it does kind of rush through there as well because the winds are also very, very strong. Mm. So that's some of the – I hear one of the most treacherous water crossings. Yeah. As well as Bass Strait in Australia, I've heard mm. it's really bad as well. Really? Because obviously the, the – Between Tasmania and, and, the, and Victoria. Sorry, in Victoria, yeah, mm. Bass Strait, which is a bit of water between Tassie and Australia. Yeah. Again, if you look at a map of Australia, thing. listeners, there's a little island off the bottom that they've left out and then there's the <laughs> strait between that. Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's right, because again, it works the same as down in obviously South America, the water. So you've got the roaring westerlies, mm. and then it kind of gets squeezed and pushed between the two land masses through there. Mm. So you can get huge waves, and that's why the um, Sydney to Hobart yacht race that's held in, mm. you know, around a Boxing Day every year here in Australia is kind of can be really treacherous because it tr- crosses, you know, one of the. They're always rescuing people, yeah, I know. Thing, and, they? and people die. Because the fronts come in, and yeah. all of a sudden you go from calm waters to six, eight metre waves, yeah. and, and a 50 to 80 kilometre hour wind is just like that. And suddenly um, a $2 million boat gets turned to kindling. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I heard this story of this guy who was on a boat, nice big rolling waves, like quite tall waves. And he went, oh, this is great up here. Everyone else is scared, like below deck. Mm-hmm. And he's talk, chatting to a sailor and he goes, hey, uh, I, might, uh, I might go up the, the, the crow's nest and have a look oh. from up there because that would be a great view. And the guy's like, all right then, mate. Right. And the guy climbs up and the and the boat sort of scooches up the wave and he's going, oh, this is great. So it gets to the top of the wave, the crest, and then goes flick over oh. the top of the crest. Oh, and the guy was like, shit! 
worked. <laughs> oh. And it came down the ladder as quickly as possible. Because you would suddenly go from being you know, degrees backwards to degrees forward. Yeah. 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 You'd go like that really oh, quickly. So he whipped across like wow. 45 degrees. Oh. <laughs> it's like not, not doing that bad. again. Ugh. Okay. Yeah, so look at all the transport things that are built. They're all built to deal with weather. Mm. Planes are built in that way to be aerodynamic. Mm. Cars are built obviously in a way to well to kind of go fast and aerodynamic as yeah. well. Mm. And built are obviously, uh, ships are obviously built in a way that allow them to have heavy seas and they're weighted at certain parts of the boat to mm. allow for the you know the toying and tossing and turning. Mm. And they get dynamics as well like now. Nowadays they can actually flood certain compartments and move, yes. move it around so suddenly your, trip, your ship can change its ballast around. Yep. And, that's very, and, and computers can control that much faster than humans can. Mm. So they get madly pumping water back and forth to keep the boat steady. Yep. Wow. I've heard that the cruise ships have these huge weights on either side. Oh. So depending on which... So let's say you're, you're heading into the waves. So the, the waves are heading north-south. So, yeah, so the waves are just going from north to south mm. and the boat's heading to north to south, you're probably just going to be in front, back, front, back. Mm. But if you're heading north and south and the waves are east to west, you'll be going side to side, side to side. So I heard in yeah. situations like that or when the, the waves come in on an angle, mm. if the boat's heading north and the waves are coming from the northwest, they put these huge weights out to balance oh, okay. the, the... It's like putting your hands out. Like, yeah, yeah, almost. Because so, yeah. if the waves are coming in on an angle, obviously you're going to get both... Front to back motion, but yeah. also side to side motion. So it'll be sort so, of swiveling. Yeah, yeah so they yeah. try and put the weights out to try and even things out so mm. you just feel like a slight movement rather than, well, you know, you're up and back. Because there's a great videos on the web of, of the, the camera that's locked and just watching people slide from side yeah. to side. It's, yeah. It's not fun. There's some big storms. I, I went on a ferry from the top of Scotland across to... To 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 Scarborough, Shetland, oh, to, 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 no. Scar- yeah, uh, to Scarborough, uh, okay. around that. I, I'm, this shows you how my brain works. I can remember the Neolithic village that uh, is on this island. I can't remember the name of the <laughs> island. It's just insane. But we went on a. So you put your car down the bottom and you go up the top and you stand there and wait. And, and that was that's horrendously treacherous across yeah. the North Sea. And you just and that's crazy. And they're, and they're on the boat. They're, the, the captain, they're, they're like, oh whatever. The crewmen are like, no, it's fine. And you're like, whoa, you do the whole like you're sitting in a chair. You're I can feel like I can come off this chair at any moment. And they're like, no, no, it's fine. No, no, it's fine. It's all good. And you're like, you, that's not fine. And they go down, just watch out. When you when you get to shore, the cars will probably move down in the hull. So uh, in the hole. Yeah, so just yeah. be aware. The car could be, you know, up against a wall or something. You're like, Wait, what? <laughs> don't worry. Your car, it'll be fine. Well, yeah. speaking of cars, what sort of weather events would people need to think about for like transport, like trucking transport? And like, obviously, crosswinds would be an issue, but... Yeah. What, like so far as temperature changes and like what do you know of how the weather can affect that that we may not know i think yeah temperature change and things like that obviously the whole don't leave your kids in a car when it's hot you know things like that we, ah yes we Orkneys. All, we all know that uh, sorry <laughs> orkney islands yeah, yeah. sorry sorry there not shetlands go. i need i need to know that sorry i'm sorry no. i apologize distractions that would be a great <laughs> podcast <laughs> but uh yeah so i think as we know on a hot day actually not even a hot day if your car's in you know an hour or two of sun mm. the, air, the air temperature can triple quadruple mm. you know it could be 60 80 almost 100 degrees in a car Mm. So that affects that. But again, you just open the doors, put the cooler on, things like that. But yeah, I think the biggest threat from weather for cars is, look, if a car gets struck by lightning, Mm. most of the time it'll just get deflected around the car Mm. and things like that. Mm. The rubber tyres don't save you. It's just the whole... It's a big Faraday cage. It's exactly right. It's a big metal cage. Um, So the the path of least resistance is around the outside and through the metal, the lovely metal. (laughs) So yeah, the great thing about weather is, yeah, it also is lazy in a way. It'll just take the path of least resistance Mm. or the easiest thing to get whatever it wants. But yeah, getting back to cars, I think 
think crosswinds, like you see trucks and caravans, mm. you know, get blown over, obviously, in really strong crosswinds. You see it a lot in America, obviously, they, they run trucks, you know, east, west, east, west kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But their dominant winds are north, south. So they have nice. gale force northerlies or gale force sailors. All oh, right. And so in any situations like that, they have like high wind warnings and things like that. But you'll see multiple trucks that are just being rolled over on the interstate and things like that because they've had really wow. strong winds. And occasionally you'll see when you're driving around parts of Australia, you know, high windy area or yeah. things like that. And obviously they have a crosswind if you're a caravan or a truck. If it's strong enough, yeah, that'll obviously topple you. Gusty over, winds so. may exist. Yeah. <laughs> That's a type of sign that you can see That's in certain standard, parts of the world. Yeah. It was mentioned in the Dirk Gently book that was never finished. Oh, okay. Oh, the, like um, the, he loved the idea that there are these quantum winds that m- may exist, that, <laughs> but so you only know whether they exist or not when you like collapse the waveform or yeah, something. Yeah, right. Once your caravan has flipped off the edge. <laughs> yeah. uh, winter weather it affects them a lot, but of course we in Australia don't have that problem. But no. for our friends in the Northern Hemisphere, yeah, they have you know their battery freezes, all the fluids in their car mm. freeze, and they got to put yes. chains on their tires. Uh, yeah. I never under- this is what I don't get. People, people talk about li- living in Europe and. I have family in Europe and I live here. And, yes, it gets hot in Australia. And you, it could kill you if you're, if you're old and frail. But normally if you're, if you're okay, you drink water, you're going to be fine. Cool. We'll, yeah, and old yeah. people love the heat. We'll be, we'll be, they thrive in it. We'll okay. <laughs> but they could, you could go outside. If you take, don't take your jumper with you and go to the pub, you could be dead before you got back yeah. home. You could be found in the snow dead. Like, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to get killed by the weather halfway to the pub in the evening. It's not going to happen. Now I want to go to the pub. Well, that's true. Yeah, so. you got me. You sidetracked me yeah. <laughs> with the talks of. We're good at that, but yeah, that's true. You'll see many cases. I think, in, um, especially America and Canada, they'll do frostbite warnings and things like that. Oh. So they'll have things like if you have your skin exposed to the elements for more than five minutes, you will get frostbite. And this is when it's minus thirty, <laughs> minus forty. So you see people walking around the Michelin like a Michelin oh. man with so many layers of clothing on. It's just like, how oh. could you live like that? It's so cold. I visited a few years ago Ulaanbaatar, which is the capital of Mongolia, mm-hmm. and it is the cold oldest capital city in the world, negative mm-hmm. uh, 40 degrees Celsius. Wow. And that's horrendous. We weren't there then. We couldn't go there. No, I, well, you can, but we yeah. didn't. I think I'd like to experience it just once. Just, just once. <laughs> How cold For it less is. than five minutes, I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> you and but an what, arm, what amazed me... It feels cold. It's feeling less cold. <laughs> Can't feel anything at all. <laughs> Lost <laughs> my finger. <laughs> tank, tank. But the, what freaked me out, because some people are very poor there, and they live in the sewer systems. So all these all these homeless people, wow. they've actually gone, we cannot live on the surface. You will die. And they, they go underground into the sewers. And they, warm. And they, and they cause it's warmer down there, yeah. And that's the only way they can survive is to live in the sewers. And you're like, yep. what? Well, that's not good. Uh, slowly turn into rat people. Yeah, like Morlocks. Over many, many years, <laughs> come to the surface. Uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. So, but somehow human beings like part of me is like, why do you live? I mean, you can't get out. But negative forty degrees is death weather. Yeah, that's 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 not human. We just we didn't evolve to live. We we are a savanna creature, African. We love the warm, and we love to wear very few clothes. That's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> and and, and we, we want to be we want to be in a place with lots of fruit and grasses. Yeah. But somehow we spread across this planet and now we live in the Everything. negative 40 degrees. <laughs> and 55 degrees in the Middle East. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it's it? It's madness. Yeah. Well, I, I guess the most important piece of transport we need to know about weather for is dirigibles, yes. and blimps, and hot air balloons. Yes, very important to us. Now, I imagine that they're fairly, it's fairly crucial to know a lot about the weather for that sort of stuff. Mm. Do you know much about that side of things at yeah, all? Yeah, yeah. So we have hot air balloons that call up most mornings before they're about to go out. Mm. I want to know the winds, you know, above, just above the surface. Mm-hmm. So obviously you can be at the surface and it'll be fine, but you could have 40, 50k winds, probably 500 a kilometre just above you. Right. So the, <laughs> How uh, high do hot air balloons go? So they can go a few hundred metres. 
Um, so and the winds, I think I think their maximum they normally stay around five. Highest they'll go is about five six hundred. Yeah, that's so, just so when you come out of the sky, you can have a good old scream. Yeah, <laughs> you've got time to yeah. really, really rethink this whole thing. So, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> so one of the big things, obviously, is obviously wind. So if it gets too strong, then they can't control it, and they can be, you know, mm. pushed out of the ocean. So if you're doing like a, you know, so a lot of times they might in Brisbane, they might, you know, want to just all fly over the Brisbane or Melbourne or whatever, mm-hmm. right near the beach. But if the winds are too strong, the balloon will be taken out over the water. That's a mistake. And they're in trouble. And then you what do they right, do? What you, well, you, you just got to add more heat and go right around the world. Right. It's the only just, answer. Just, just wait. Let's go. Gotta go around the horn. We, we gotta go. We gotta go around. Uh, sorry, guys. It's, it was a three-day tour. Back in a few weeks. Three-hour tour. Yeah. <laughs> Back in eighty days. Yeah. <laughs> I hope there's not some Phileas fog. So, ah, yeah. So that's really important as well. If, if the winds are too strong, they just don't go. Um, and really so. so yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's important as well. Obviously, if it's raining or things like that, they don't bother and things like that because the winds could be too erratic. Plus, it's raining yeah. and, and things like that. So. But you're under a balloon. You're not going to get wet. Yeah, but I think it's got that nice warm comes heat. To the side. Nice warm flame. Yeah, it comes to the side and it can be erratic winds and yeah. I think oh. it puts weight to like the balloons. Like, oh yeah, because it's wet. <laughs> yeah, so you don't do that either. So they'll obviously want clear skies, no fog or anything as well, because mm. then you can get get, get disoriented. Mm. Like you go up and it might be light winds, but you have no idea where you are. Mm. You know, you could be <laughs> a building or you could be out over the ocean. You just have no idea. So yeah, it's actually funny. It's amazing. How... If you're aiming, if you're about to hit a building in a hot air balloon, how do you change tack? They can they can do things like open Don't flaps know. on the side. They know, oh, yeah, to and, direct and, it. and they can do okay. some, kind of like a parachute. You can do. Oh, I, don't, yeah. I, don't I think, think I've it, heard of that. I don't yeah. think it dodges. Like, it's not going to be like, an, yeah. like an X-wing fighter that zooms around. But I think they can <laughs> change. To... They can they can deflect their motion mm. in one way or another. Yeah. To to do it properly, if you want to go a little bit to the left, you've got to go up or down to where the, the wind is slight, slightly more to the left. Like, you control yourself up and down by going to areas that are going left and right. Well, yeah, I can see what you're saying there, yes. Yeah, it's true, but normally in the you know, bottom couple of hundred metres, the winds really won't change much right. direction, so it's all going to be uniform. But, yeah, some days it can be, you might have a southerly in, the, in you know, the surface, but it might be like a northerly at 500 metres. Yeah. So that can be crazy because you might just be doing loops <laughs> as you go up and down. So All these birds of prey going, hey, how you doing? How are the thermals? <laughs> I used yeah. to have this vision in my head of a hot air balloon with sails, like big masts coming out the side with sails, put a big keel on it, and you, then you could tack into the wind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Steampunk crazy. Oh, yeah. I'm, so, I'm very excited now. I want to do that now. Yeah. So. It's, you're going to do, hook that up to the comedy balloon? I will put it. Because yeah, at the moment, all we're doing is burning a lot of diesel. Yeah, that's right. Just to push, and, punch and, through. And, and uh, well, normally just fill me with alcohol, and I just paddle like crazy. That's what it is. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. But no, it, it affects everything. And look at yachts and things like that. You know, they put their sails up, catch mm. the wind to turn and mm. flip the sails to turn things. And it really is amazing. Weather affects everything That's out there. Weird. It really is. It's, it's not just a conversation when you're bored. No. Yeah. <laughs> it seems to default that, doesn't it? It's just like, oh, hi, how you going? Man, the weather the That's last right. couple of weeks. Now, I, well, that's a good question. Do you find that good or bad? Is that, uh, as a professional, is that... Is that a... Yeah, yeah. Do you like to take it as a personal challenge? Let me tell you about the weather, my friend. <laughs> so, it's been a bit hot. Oh, has it? Has it been a bit hot? Wait till I tell you the records that we've broken or whatever, yeah. No, Let me tell you about dew points. Yeah, that's an important one because everyone thinks relative humidity is important, but it's all about the dew point, the dew point, because the relative humidity is obviously depends on the temperature. Mm. So there's a weird, weird stat that actually Melbourne is more humid than Brisbane because of the relative humidity, yeah. right? So for instance, so let's say in Melbourne it'll be 8 degrees in the morning, but the dew point will be 8 degrees, mm. so it'll show 95% humidity, but it's freaking mm. cold. 
cold. Yes. But here in <laughs> Brisbane, it'll be 34 degrees with a dew point of 24, but it's only 60% humidity, but it is far more humid. Yeah. But the dew point's the important thing because the dew point's 24 here, but only eight down there. Yeah. So the dew point is um, <laughs> the temperature at which the air will reach saturation. So it kind of shows you how much moisture is in the atmosphere. Mm. So if you get thick fog at 24 degrees, it's a very wet air mass. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, and that's what dew point is. It's kind of a measure of an accurate measure. You know, 24 degrees anywhere in the world is humid. Yes. You know, or, or dew point, I dew should point. say, temperature of 24 degrees is humid. Mm. Where relative humidity can be 90% at the South Pole, mm. and it could be 90% in Singapore. It all because it depends uh, on the temperature. It's relative. Exactly right. So it's like the <laughs> it's worst, in the name. It's like the worst measure for things, but that's what everyone says. Like, wow, yeah. the humidity is like 80%. It's so humid. It's yeah. like, oh, no, it's like 8 degrees. It's cold. Yeah. But the yeah. dew point, like we had a couple of weeks ago here in Brisbane, we were just sweating like crazy because uh-huh. the dew point was 26 degrees, mm. and that's something you only see in Darwin or Singapore or places so, like so that. Just, so I may have a little loss here. That's saying that so to, to totally saturate the atmosphere, we had to get to 20 six degrees correct and if it's warmer than that which it is and then you that means you've got a lot of a lot of moisture that's not no, being no, absorbed so, yeah. so the temperature has to cool down to 24 degrees to reach yep. super saturation okay so uh, yeah so you would have fog if the temperature did fall to 24 degrees yep. and then the dew point stayed at 24 you'd have fog, fog. but if it's <laughs> right. 34 on 24 yep. it's a very hot humid day right. uh, Brisbane has had a lot a lot of things I see what you're saying so that, it's okay. not like it's super saturated air yes, it's yep. just if that 34 then cooled down to 24 we, you would yep. then get a thick fog so, mm. or yep. 26 is you or 26, 26, yeah, yeah. whatever it was. Okay. But yeah. normally when you find that the temperature tries to cool down to that, the dew point will try and drop a little bit as well. <laughs> yep. Or what will happen is the temperature will stop, and that happens in Brisbane a lot too. It gets within a degree at night time, mm. so the nights can be just horrendous mm. here. Mm. We don't quite get to fog, but it's still 28 degrees all night. It's because the dew point's around 26. The, right. ju- the, the air temperature cannot cool below the dew point ever. Right. Because you'd have super saturated air, which just doesn't really happen. Mm. So you'll always have, you get those really cold mornings here in Brisbane, you'll find that the dew point is actually in the negative. So you've got very dry air. Yeah. So the air obviously cools really quickly because there's not enough moisture in the air. So the, the temperature can't drop lower, and that's because the heat of from the in, that's kept in the atmosphere by the liquid, is that right? Correct. Uh, right. Ah, okay. So Correct. it cannot go lower. So the, the atmosphere cannot cool down because the, there's so much water in the, in yep. the atmosphere. The coolest the atmosphere can go is fog. Yes, yeah. I, yeah, that's, yeah, right. That, that's as cool as it can okay. get because it can't then cool anymore because then it's going to have to remove moisture in the atmosphere. So from now cool on, what I should further. look for, it's so like, oh, oh, goodness me, today is 35 degrees. That's really warm. But if there's a dew point of 26, you're like, oh, it's going to be an awful disgusting Dis- day. Yeah, correct. So, but if, if there's a dew point of 12, you're like, oh, we should be okay. Yeah, and I think the last couple of days, it's been around 14, 15, and we all should know if we're yeah. in Brisbane, it's been quite nice. Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. oh, um, nice sunny day. I've actually, I'm going to annoy people with that. I've learned something now. So, yeah. yeah, so for <laughs> next, when it's feeling really humid and sticky outside, pull up some weather obs and if you see a dew point in the 20s that's why that's yeah, so, yeah right the, the dew point temperature just indicating how much moisture is kind of in the air right so if you look at darwin and cairns obs you'll find their dew points are always in the 20s but if you look at melbourne and hobart <laughs> and adelaide it's always like two or you know it's really really low and then <laughs> in summer idea. it's like negative 10 or something or negative 15 because the air is really really dry and that's why it gets really hot down there so yeah, yeah. dean once again oh. you have made the default conversation of talking about the weather an amazing roller coaster of adventure. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us here in the comedy. Ah, uh, thank you. It's always a pleasure. Thank you very much, boys. And we're back. Thank you very much to Dean Narimore, friend of the show, 
friend of the show. He's now officially friend of the show. Actually, I have something important to say to a friend of the show. Yep. May I say it, Dan? Go on. And that is, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Uh, happy stop, birthday stop. You Dan. can't oh. sing the whole thing or else we have to pay royalties. So, oh, very much appreciated. Oh. Yes, this is the first time the podcast has ever landed on my birthday. That's true. You just pay like half a royalty? Is that what we have to do now? No, no, no. We just get a scot-free. Aha! Sucked in. Take that person who owns a song that everyone sings all the time. So, yeah. if you listen to this podcast the day that it comes out and you hear that, feel free to send me a birthday message. If it's after midnight, go and suck an egg. That's really aggressive to people who just want to wish you a happy birthday, man. those guys. That's... <laughs> You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. And the other person shaking his head is Greg at smartenough.org. You can follow us on Twitter, SE2KB. And also that Facebook thing. Woo! And you can get onto iTunes and rate us and give us a little review. That would be great. And more importantly, if you're a new listener to the podcast, you know what makes people listen to podcasts or do anything in this world? And that's have their friends and family, those they care Kidnappings. about. Kidnappings. And talk about the podcast. Kidnap people and then no. force them to listen to it. Well, not, not kidnap. How about intellectually kidnap them, emotionally kidnap them, and ask them to listen to this great podcast? Because if you like not, it, there's not, a good chance not they'll like it as well. Not physically kidnap them? Don't physically kidnap your friends or loved ones. I have uh, to make an urgent phone call. <laughs> Aggressive and weird. Well done. <laughs> well done. I'm the birthday boy. You're the birthday <laughs> I'm the birthday boy. Okay. Sirens, choppers. <laughs> and as we always like to say, Happy birthday to you. Shit! Now we have to pay the. Ah, goddammit! Welcome to episode 92 of Smart Enough to Know Better, a podcast of science. And ignorance. Oh, wait. <laughs> Let's start that again. <laughs> Welcome to episode 92 of Smart Enough to Know Better, a podcast of science, comedy, and, and ignorance. Uh, I just I couldn't trust you. You can trust me. Right. Try again. Welcome Try again. to episode 92 no, 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 no. of Smart Enough speaking to Know Better. And then start. That's, there's a, uh. Welcome to episode 29 of Smart Enough to Know Better. <laughs> We're going to block Test. the door. There's no escape now. Yeah, I'm stuck in here until you get what you want. <laughs> that's right. That's how we're going to recording a song or something. <laughs> yeah, right. Hear the word. Yeah. Don't let it rain on me. It's my cobburst in my loins. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Start with That'd the heart. That would be weird. Yeah, it would be. Start with the heart, Dan. I splatter you with my white squall. Oh. oh. No? God, that's, that's, that's gross. A, that's a terrible. That's awful. So that's not a romantic it's, metaphor. It's better than with. Yeah, I like your pants around your feet. So nickelback. You, you nickelback. Oh, nickelback. Oh, you, you, yeah, you're yeah. higher than that. You're, you're, you're better than nicklebacks. That's that. That's a great dirty song. That one. <laughs> when you think about it. Yeah, the lyrics are amazing. Don't think yeah. about it. Don't yeah, yeah, yeah. ever think about nickelback songs <laughs> or nickelback at all. We're not allowed to mention anthropogenic climate change. You can imply it, like, oh my god! So, like, uh, yeah. you just don't go there. Just anyway, how yeah. was your day? You know, like, <laughs> my day, oh, it's great. I drove around, burned a lot of fossil fuel <laughs> fuels. That's great. <laughs> Gren, Greg Wah, Greg Wah, Beeston, Beeston. 
Grenoir. 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 Of the forest of the spirits. I do this on the radio heaps, so we're doing like radio stuff for, for whatever, and it's like, oh yeah, find a sunny in, in Queensland, and, and it's hot at the Moolaloola bar, that place with lots of O's, I can't pronounce any town correctly. It's sign and funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think last week I went on radio and said, oh yeah, we've had 100 millimetres at Mount Mungrel. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah, yeah. And Hipty Doe, and I was... At least you're not from uh, Wales. Yeah. Oh, that'd be a nightmare. Yeah, and Glocklin, I think all that. Yeah. Ah, forget it. That's why it's got so much water. Because it's spinning on each other. I think Sylvester from the Warner Brothers cartoons is doing the weather report. So it's really weird that you'll, because you'll do the morning, the radio in the morning, and you'll be driving home with the radio on, you'll hear your voice. Oh, I said that, or you know. So. That's not how you pronounce Mount Mungrel. <laughs> What's the Twitter for Bomb? Bomb Queensland. Bomb, bomb Queensland. Queensland. Right now, so learns, oh. Bomb Queensland, Bomb Australia, Bomb New South Wales. Every state's got their own handle, and yes. Yeah, you just went on a lot of Raptor systems when we broadcast that. Bomb Queensland, <laughs> Bomb New South Wales. <laughs> oh, yeah. ACO is just been like, yeah. oh, oh, you got him. When I go to America, I'm so careful to say, who do you work for, Bomb? I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a weather man, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, like oh, look, I had the same job problem when I worked for Kill the President Designs. <laughs> <laughs> Well done, Dan. Nicely. Well done, Dan. That was very good. Uh, That was worth leaving the mic, son. That was (laughs) like...